everybody, welcome back to the Reawakening Podcast. I'm Brian Ingraham, and it is my heart to see our whole generation reawakened to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. I'm recording this podcast in a very strategic moment. It is the beginning of December 2020 at a time where we are going into a Christmas season which is very different than any other Christmas season, hopefully before or ever in the future. There is a lot of limitations. There is an extreme amount of uh, vibe that Christmas is canceled. Currently in Glasgow, stores are closed, and, and so shopping is not a thing, In and the Christmas market downtown in Glasgow is not happening this year. And it's just not one of those years where we can be around friends and family and and all those usual trappings around Christmas are gone. And I think that that sets us up for a potentially amazing gospel Christmas season, a, a time where people will be asking the question, okay, what is Christmas actually about? We can't really be around family like we're used to. There's all these limits. The shopping is limited. So what is Christmas about? And it is my prayer. It is my obsession. It is my passion to see Jesus bring more uh eyes opened, more people turning to Jesus in this season. I'd love for us to look back at this time and be like, wow, that was the beginning of an amazing reawakening, an amazing revival, a time where people were just asking the questions, what is Christmas about? And, and, and turning to Jesus and being saved. Even though that is the immediate context of this recording, uh, when I'm recording this podcast, uh, I know that what I'm talking about today is perfectly relevant for every single day of, of your life. What I want to talk about is how to greatly increase the probability of God using you to see people cross that line from from not believing in Jesus to giving their life to following Jesus, to cross the line of actually dedicating and praying to to give their life to Jesus. And and maybe, I don't know what your experience is, but maybe you evaluate your life and you're like, maybe you haven't seen that very often. In fact, maybe it's been years or even ever that you would be like, oh, wow, I, I am not used very often by by God to to see people give their lives to Jesus. And maybe we even have like theological reasons and excuses why that's the case. Well, you know, um, it's not my gifting or it's not it's not just a way that God's used me in my life. Well, guys, I, I think it's time to assess and I, without any without any judging or anything like that, because I believe that uh, there's there's some things that we can very easily and simply do that will greatly increase the probability of God using us to play that extremely sacred and exciting role in people's lives, seeing them inquire about what is the deal with Jesus and then ultimately give their lives to Jesus. So that's what I want to talk about today. Now, before I talk about the secret of of what to grow and develop and focus on in our hearts and lives, um, I want to talk about the backstory of, of how I I became really passionate about this. I was I was on the phone <laughs> somehow with my daughter who is in YWAM uh, Hawaii this this term, and she was telling me about this person who is one of their teachers in their program there, uh, and and how this this person has this amazing testimony of coming to Jesus. And I, I can't remember exactly the testimony, but it was something, the classic drug 
uh, addict. Um, I think actually it was more than that, like a drug dealer and maybe, I don't know, some sort of maybe higher level drug dealer, an amazing Jesus moment, complete a radical life transformation. And now they, they teach people about how to talk about the gospel uh, in, in Hawaii. In, yeah, to, to YWAM kids and all that sort of stuff. And y- y- I don't know, I-, I had that experience at camp growing up where just like my daughter, I would listen to some people's testimony and, I- and I'd be like, oh, if only I had a powerful testimony like that. Uh, something where I could tell my story and it would inspire people and, and people would give their lives to Jesus. And and that's kind of how that conversation was going with Emma. So uh, Emma was telling me, oh, dad, you know, I, I kind of wish that I had a a more a more extreme story. I mean, I listened to that guy and his story is so powerful and captivating. I wish I had a powerful story of of, of salvation and, and how I came to Christ and so that I could be more effective in that. Now that got me thinking because I love Emma's story. I, I love that she was able to grow up in a in a godly home and and not have all the the, the pain and the uh, the baggage coming from just such an an awful um, life of you know in drugs and and dealing with all that baggage. And and I I started talking to her about like her God like she has a different message and actually her message is probably more relatable, more connectable with most of the people that she'll be talking about. She she probably won't be talking to a lot of drug dealers and, and, and trying to tell them about Jesus. She'll probably be talking to a lot of people who grew up in more normal situations. What is normal? I get it. What is normal? But in more like normal situations, maybe not people who are growing up in Christian homes, but people who are growing up in, in more of a normal environment. I think one of the biggest things that the enemy has done to blow up so much of our effectiveness when it comes to seeing people give their lives to Jesus and inquire about Jesus is I I think that he's taken away from us the wow and the wonder of our gospel, of of how Jesus met us. And if it's not as uh, sensational as I was a drug dealer and now I've, I, I'm a, on a totally different path. If it's, if it's a little bit more subtle, like I, I grew up in a, in a normal household and, and I believe in Jesus, or I grew up in a Christian household and I believe in Jesus, that, that the enemy has robbed us of the joy and the wonder and the wow of that. And I believe going back to realizing our gospel, realizing what Jesus has done for us and remembering how delightful it is that that aspect of recapturing that is pivotal when it comes to us being more effective at seeing people give their lives to Jesus. And so the question that hangs over me and and all of us is, do I actually love the gospel? Do, Do I actually, making it more concrete, do I actually love what Jesus has done for me? Do I love this idea of God's salvation and grace for me? You know, I've been a Christian for a long, long time since I was a little kid. I grew up in a in a Christian home, and it, it can just be easy to. I, I just kind of transitioned. It feels like. I mean, I did pray this prayer, and I remember kneeling down and and giving my life to Jesus. But but giving my life to Jesus, have I lost the the significance of the bigness? of what Jesus has done for me? Have I lost the delight in that? And I think the more that we 
we lose the delight in the gospel, the less effective we're going to be at having that contagious joy. Now, I'm thinking about that, that sinful woman, right? The sinful woman in the, I'm not, I'm not just labeling her. I think that's what the Bible calls her. It doesn't give her a name. Uh, but the, the sinful woman who Jesus points out to her uh, when he is at Simon the Pharisee's house, he, 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 he points out to Simon that she loves much because she was forgiven much. And uh, I, I think that there is this this sense of yeah okay she was a sinful woman whatever whatever that that means in this story, but but she understood that she had been forgiven so much and she understood the gospel and so that there was a delight and a and a wonder pouring out of her. What I want for you to do, whatever your story and whatever your your background, is I want you to remember your gospel. Remember what Jesus has done for you and to return to delighting in it. Now, for me, uh, my gospel, I was reminded by uh, Jesus when I was in Athens in 2012. And I hesitate sharing this story because I, I don't want you to, to be like, well, I need some sort of vision. I just need you to remember your, your gospel. But, but apparently, Jesus thought that I was forgetting um, the gospel that he'd entrusted to me. And because I was forgetting it, maybe he just needed to give me this vision to, to remind me. And, and so, yeah, there I was in Athens at a missionary conference, and I was praying. Um, and I know that sounds really grand. I was in Athens, and I had this vision of Jesus, but it's true. And, and I, I had this vision of Jesus, and it was, it was just Jesus there in front of me. And he asked me a question, and I, I don't have the notes right in front of me, but he asked me a question, something like, why are you worthy like, why are you worthy of, of this grace? Why are you worthy of this salvation? Why are you worthy? And now I know the right answer, and I, and I bet you know the right answer, but out, out of nowhere, kind of going across a parade of, of answers, it was like they were pulled out of the real places of my heart, the true places of my heart, even though I know with my mind they're not true. I saw a parade of things that I, I tend to uh, think in deep down, why am I worthy? And they're often performance-based things. Well, maybe because I do good, this good thing or that good thing, or because I sold sold my stuff to become a missionary, or because I'm a pastor, or or um, now I know that we all have these things in our mind that that are um, our gospel lies that we think about like when it comes to why are we worthy and, and a lot of times people think in the negative and they they beat themselves up oh i'm i'm not worthy because i do this sin or i do that sin or i've messed up here or i don't read my bible enough or i don't pray enough or i'm not good enough or i'm not smart enough and so we have we have all these like these things that that are going on well anyways i'm looking at this this story and i'm watching I'm watching my excuses parade in front of me kind of behind jesus and and i and I'm just like, oh, I know that this is true, but I, I don't want to see this. And finally, all of my, my reasons for why, why I'm worthy or why I'm receiving grace, when it had finally all passed by, it was finally just Jesus and I. And Jesus was like, Brian, it's just me. It's just me. I am the only reason why you're worthy and and it's not about your mistakes and and sure you're a good person good, you know, quote unquote, good person it's not about your mistakes it's not about your victories 
It's definitely not about your victories. It's not that you're a pastor or you're a missionary or because you gave this amount of money that one time or because you, you're, you're, you're trying to do good and not hurt people, because you try to encourage people, because you, you read the Bible, because you pray. It's none of that. None of that. All those are not true. The only reason why you, Brian, coming from a Christian background, are, are saved and, and made right before God has nothing to do with anything other than me. I chose you, I called you, I saved you. And I think that needs to be remembered. I think that needs to be remembered and delighted in. So I'm having this conversation with my daughter and and she's sharing about the story that she wishes that she would have had. And, and I was thrown by it, and I'm like, okay, what is my gospel? What is, it, what is the gospel that Jesus has imparted to me? And, and I'm like, that, that Athens story is it. My gospel is Christian people or, or people, whatever your background, whatever, even if it's a good background or a normal background or a Christian background or a, a non-rocky background, the gospel is that it doesn't matter how good you perceive yourself to be, how worthy you perceive yourself to be, or even how unworthy you perceive yourself to be. The truth of the gospel is it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And, and Jesus has saved me and he has shown me grace. And it's not based on my performance. It's not based on my goodness. It's not based on my more ideal background, not having got sucked into that drugs and alcohol uh, difficulties in my teenage years. But instead, it's just because of him and his goodness. That's why I'm saved. Can I delight in that? Can, can, I, can I be wowed by that? Can I be captured by the wonder of the gospel that it's not about performance, but Jesus' grace is actually, as I know it to be, but I don't think of it as very often, unearned, undeserved. And so my gospel is this message of we didn't earn it, we can't deserve it, that sort of a thing. Uh, And so when I'm talking to Christians, I want them to know and delight and remember that, you know, it doesn't matter how worthy you feel or unworthy you feel, it's just Jesus. But how that carries over into people who don't know Jesus is, is they, they need to see someone in me who loves the gospel. And I think it's, it's hard for people who grew up in Christian homes to love the gospel because they kind of they feel like it's not dramatic enough. But it is dramatic. We've just been lied to by the enemy about how dramatic it is that God would intervene in, in people who don't perceive how incredible the gospel is and save them anyways and pour out his mercy anyways. Can you recall and recapture the joy and the wonder of your gospel, of what Jesus has done to you? Do you remember the gospel? Do you Not in like the technical Jesus died and was raised to life and anyone who calls in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And I've been rescued out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son whom God loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We can spout all these verses of what is the gospel. But my question is, do you love your gospel? Do you delight in what Jesus has done for you? Or are you not really captured by the wonder and, and the wow of it anymore? 
My premise in this is that when we get back to living in the wow and the wonder of the gospel that we have experienced, that it is the most powerful way to reach people for Jesus as our thankfulness, as our delight, as our joy just leaks out of us. I also would say that one of the wonders of the gospel to me personally is I came from a Christian home, a multi-generational Christian home, and my parents and definitely my grandparents were praying for me and for my salvation. That my salvation is evidence and, and, and part of a testimony of answered prayer, of long answered prayer when it comes to my, my, my grandparents. That that God heard my grandmother's prayer, my, my grandfather's prayer, my parents' prayer, and, and I've been saved. Now, I'm a parent. I've got kids and teenagers. And, and I can tell you, I, there is something very uh, humbling in the middle of the teenage years as a, as a Christian parent where it has to transfer and it's out of my control as a parent. That the gospel, uh, you know, for, for as much as the kids have been raised in church and been taught about Jesus and have, have seen me believe in Jesus and, and follow Jesus and, and uh, yeah, and again, heard so much of the gospel, at some point in these years, it has to transfer. And, and I saw it with Ethan, you know, I, you know, get nervous, 13, 14, 15, 16. When, when does it come from this is what our family believes into something that he's going to carry with him out of my home? And, and you know, just watching him become, you know, make that transition uh, was, was, was amazing. And just becoming a, a, a solid, independent from me believer in Jesus I've watched Emma make that transition, and and now I'm I'm looking at Owen, and you know I know Owen doesn't listen to my podcast, so I can speak <laughs> freely. I should probably edit this out, but I won't. Um, yeah, you know I'm watching him. He is 14. He's turning 15 in a in a month or so, a little month and a half. He's just in that transition era where sometime over these next 24 months, it is my hope and my prayer that he will grab onto this himself and and make that transition, you know, 24, 36 months uh, of transition time. But it's humbling. And, you know, you, you know all the stories of, of Christian kids who walk away from Jesus or Christian kids who follow Jesus or people who grew up in normal houses that don't believe in Jesus, uh, believe in Jesus and, and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lie that Christian kids believe who come from Christian families that it's just part of their family heritage, but it's not. And I testify firsthand that it is a God miracle answered prayer work of grace that when, when, when a teenager says, I will own this for myself, it won't be my parents' faith anymore, but I'm going to live this and I'm going to live this for the rest of my life. Guys, I think the enemy has robbed so much of our grasp of how amazing it is that we are saved, that we are forgiven. And because we've been robbed of this, we've lost the power of exuding our joy and our thankfulness and our delight, like the sinful woman in the Bible. It was fresh for her. It was amazing for her. And it, and it, it captured the attention of the Pharisees. And, and they were a little bit appalled by the passion that she had. For, for Jesus, I think that people who, who are so 
thankful and full of genuine, uncontainable delight in the gospel that their passion, their thankfulness, their joy can't help but capture people's attention and 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 do way much more than an intellectual, I believe in Jesus. That when you move from, I, I believe in Jesus with my mind and my heart, but my heart deep down somewhere, to I have, I cannot not exude joy and love for what Jesus has done for me. So my question is, do you love the gospel for you? Do you even remember how dazzling, how incredible it is for you? Step one, and I and I had to go back and do this again after having this conversation with, with Emma. What is the gospel? And I was like, okay, yeah, that's right. In Athens, I really felt clarity, but I had to go back and remember, okay, that aspect of the gospel for me. What is your gospel? Not, not going away from Jesus, the cross, and all that kind of stuff, but what is your story? Because I believe there's so many people with your story who need to hear how wonderful it is. And people with your exact story. And when, when I think about Emma, there's more people like Emma who need to hear Emma's story of growing up in a normal or Christian home and, and grabbing on to Jesus and, and giving her life to Jesus herself than there is the drug dealer's story. That might be a more wow and dazzling story, but when Emma can tell her story, there's a lot of people who can grab on to that and and who can be reminded and be like, you know what? I do need to own this for myself. I do need to believe in this for yourself. I think we've, we as Christians, and especially if you have Christian parents, overestimate by far the supernatural intervention of Jesus in our lives that we would transition from our parents' faith to believing in Jesus for ourselves. It is amazing. It is powerful. It's it's miraculous. So I want you to remember. I want you to remember the gospel and not just remember the the theory of it, but remember the, the application of it for you. And then I want you to delight in it again. I want you to I want you to exude joy about the gospel for you. And I want you to let people see that joy and that delight, that praise, that that testimony. Oh, wow, that that reminds me of of something that came up in my Bible read through this week. Oh, yeah, okay, here it is. It's in 1 Peter 2, 9. Uh, It says, you know, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a people for his own possession. Um, You you have this idea of here's your identity and, 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 and what Jesus has done for you. So that, and that's the bit on my Bible, I've got it circled several times, so that you are all these things. God has saved you, he's rescued you, he's done this salvation work in you, so that you may proclaim the praises or the excellencies, the, the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We, we, are, we are saved, we are transformed so that we can declare how amazing the one is who called us out of darkness, who saved us. And, and, and when we lose the spectacular uh, nature of what God has done for us, then are declaring to people the praises of the God who called us out, uh, that gets lost. That gets lost. Okay, so honesty moment here. How often do praises flow out of your mouth that people hear 
connected to the gospel, to connected to your salvation? How often do people hear God praised because of his grace to you, grace you did? If you are consumed with a false sense of, of shame, an unholy unworthiness perspective, like I, I, I don't think... I have any confidence about the joy of my salvation because I do this sin or that sin and this sin. There's a false gospel thing there. Anytime you you doubt your salvation and God's grace and his mercy and his love and his delight for you because of your behavior, then there's a false gospelness there. And we got to get past that. And as long as there's a false gospelness there, you're not going to be able to exude the joy of your salvation because you'll be captivated with, oh, I'm so messed up and I'm so, why would Jesus ever save me? I, I hope you, I know that some of you understand what I'm saying because you've been there and you know what it's like to, to feel doubts because of your behavior. But remember, just like the Athens thing, the gospel is about Jesus only, not the behavior, not, not what you have done, good or bad. That's not why you're saved. That's not why you receive grace. That's not why you are forgiven. So remember the gospel. Read delight in the gospel. Get, make sure your heart is, again, able to just celebrate and be, del, be full of delight when it comes to what Jesus has done for you. And then that producing praises, testifying, um, exuding out of you. I am so thankful what Jesus has done for me. That will be pivotal in increasing the probability of God using you to see people cross from death to life because the, the delight in the gospel is contagious and it will be contagious. So I get it. It's it's a, it's a it's Christmas season here in in Glasgow. It is 2020, uh, but I don't know when you're listening to this in the future. I believe that there is amazing potential in this moment for unusual gospel impact. I think that after a year like this, people are looking around like, what is what is going on? What, where is their hope? And if you are able to exude a joy and a delight in Jesus in this time, it's, it's going to get people thinking and it's going to get people talking and it's going to get people asking you, why, what is the reason for the hope that you have? Why are you able to, and you can tell them about grace and you can tell them about, you know, maybe you had an awful year. Maybe this year was a big crash and burn year and yet you're thankful for God's grace to you going in. Maybe you had a particularly good year and you can testify to God's grace. But ultimately, remember the gospel, rejoice in that gospel and see God potentially use you more to get people to cross that line from, from death to life, from, from darkness into salvation. So my challenge for you today is very simple. What is your gospel? Remember your gospel. Remember what it is about the gospel that means so much to you. And maybe right now it's only mental and cerebral. And we need to transfer that mental delight in the gospel to a genuine, contagious soul, light in, uh, soul delight in the gospel. So what is your gospel? And then Love it again. Love it again. Cherish it again. That is your challenge. And let that delight be seen. Let that delight be seen. I believe that your delight in your gospel will be used by God to see people turn from darkness to light. I guess on, a, on an aside, like 
I don't know if you ever think about what you want the people in your life to remember about you and your messaging when it comes to Jesus. For me, I want people to remember that they're loved by God, that God actually loves them, and I want them to be able to delight and rejoice in their grace. I want perfectionists to be able to delight in God's grace. I want make it happen people to be able to delight in the gospel of, of grace and not performance. I want creative people to be able to remember their gospel and 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 that God loves them uh, and 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 delights in them. I want the thinkers and the those who are ref, reflective types to 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 know that they're loved by God and 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 to delight in what Jesus has done for them. I I. I to remember the gospel and to to be to be so thankful for it. Anyways, that's that's just me and, and and so that's why I wanted to bring this podcast today because I have such a passion for for people to remember what Jesus has done for them and to not ever get past it, to continue to live in the wonder of it all. Okay, friends, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, it would be great if you could rate it and review it on iTunes, if you could share it to people, um, you know, whatever whatever it takes to like, star, pass on social media, whatever they can, just to get the word out. Because I, I believe that, you know, if this meant something to you, there's a good chance it could mean something to someone else as well. The heart behind this whole podcast is to see our whole generation reawakened, to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. Some people can fumble through this path alone, but everyone does exponentially better with help.